Um, we're starting a new series today in the Psalms called Uncensored. We're going to spend eight weeks in the Psalms. And, and really what we're talking about, what we're going to find in this series is honest prayers of the Psalms. Honesty. An invitation into honest faith. And, uh, and this, is, this is really where we're going. We're going to go deep here uh, over the coming weeks. Um, my goal, one of my hopes here for us as a church is just to get you into the Psalms in this season. Get you reading the Psalms. I would encourage you, if you don't know what to read in the Bible, hey, we're all reading the Psalms. So just read the Psalms during this season. Start in Psalm 1. Read the, all of the Psalms multiple times over the next two months. You can do it. I believe in you. There's 150 of them. You got plenty of time. Let's just go for it. Um, read them out loud. Read them alone. Read them in groups. Read them silently. Listen to the Psalms on the Bible app or on the Dwell app or however you want to um, audibly listen to the scriptures being read to you. Um, sing the Psalms. We're going to be living there, and, uh, and and I'm excited that we have that. We're going to have this space to, that we're going to be in together over the next couple months. Does that excite anybody else? Some of you have been like, good, I haven't known what to, okay, so you know what to do, you know what to read. Um, we're going to dive into that. Big idea for us in this series, there's a couple big themes, big ideas that we're going to see recurring. We're going to be picking these up and, and going deep into these uh, over the coming weeks. And, and the first big idea is this, it's that covenant relationship creates the context for honest conversation. Covenant relationship creates the context for honest conversation. And this is your relationship with God. It is a covenantal relationship. It's a marriage. Covenant relationship says, I'm not going anywhere no matter what. My wife and I were at a wedding last night. I love being at weddings with my wife. I love being at weddings that I'm not officiating with my wife because during the vows and the ceremony and everything, we get to hold hands. And we, I feel that renewal. And I even, in my intention in renewing that, I'm not going anywhere you're not going anywhere. We're in this thing together for life. This is, this is God with you. You're not going to scare him off. You're not going to say anything. You're not going to do anything. You're not going to think anything. You're not going to pray anything that's going to change his mind about you or change his orientation towards you or change his, uh, his presence in your life. It's covenant. So, so covenant relationship creates the context for honesty, honest conversation. This is true of human relationships too. The deeper the relationship, the, the, the deeper the honesty that is possible there. A question for us. Are you just telling God what you think he wants to hear? Or are you being honest with him in your prayers, in your relationship with God? Are you just telling him what you think he wants to hear? Are you being polite with God? <laughs> or are you bringing your real life and your real experience of your life? This is what so much of what we'll find in the Psalms. There's this honesty about how the author is experiencing their reality. Are you bringing, are you being honest about how you're experiencing your life with God? Are you being honest with yourself? Are there a few people in your life you can be honest with? But more than anyone, can I be honest with God about how I'm experiencing my life? Another concept for us. I'm just going to, if you're taking notes, I'll read that first one again. Covenant relationship creates the context for honest conversation. Here's another concept. We are a little deeper there. We think honesty will damage the relationship, but it actually deepens it. We often tend to think that honesty will damage the relationship, but it actually deepens the relationship. This is true with humans. My wife loves to say that uh, the only thing we risk through a hard conversation is, um, is a superficial relationship. 
That's the only thing you risk is the surface relationship. So often an acquaintance can become a true friend or maybe that surface relationship fizzles because of the honesty. But that's what you're risking is the loss of a superficial relationship, a surface relationship. And with God, the invitation is depth. That was our first value last week, by the way, plumb the depths. We want to be deep people who live deeply with God. Final question, do you believe God is strong enough, good enough, and patient enough, and caring enough to handle your honesty? So we're talking about honesty with God, and we're going to see the, this picture of the honest prayers of the Psalms. I want to start with a, with a psalm. Can we read a psalm together? Yeah, we've read a few today. Heard a few quoted already in our worship. <clears throat> psalm 139, let's just start here. I love this passage, love this psalm. I think it's a great um, picture of uh, this invitation sets the tone for the invitation that we're hearing from God today. Psalm 139, verse 1. You've searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me too lofty for me to attain. So there's this, <clears throat> this picture of, of uh, intimate knowledge. God has intimate knowledge of you and your life, like scary intimate knowledge. <laughs> he knows it all. He already knows. He knows everything you've thought, said, done. He knows, he, he knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. This is what the psalmist is saying. Intimate, intimate knowledge inescapable presence. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. I can't even get away from you. Where can I go from your spirit? Verse 7. Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will be not, not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Intimate knowledge, inescapable, inescapable presence. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden for you, from you when I, when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. I love this. I was, I, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your eyes saw my unformed body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I love this language. I've got a, we've got a, 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 my second child. My, my wife is pregnant with our second daughter who's coming sometime in the next month. And even just the thought that like God knows her already. God, God is intimately acquainted with this little life before she ever breathes her first breath. She's knit together, formed, fully known by God. Your eyes saw my unformed body, verse 16. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God, or how amazing are your thoughts concerning me? You have a footnote that would say that. How vast the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. All right, here we go. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. This is, we're get, this is the Psalms, y'all. We're going we're gonna to get into some of this. There's some stuff in the Psalms. 
Um, we're going to talk about that. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, back to the pretty stuff, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I love this passage. I love this picture of, of God's intimate knowledge of you. The, the psalmist begins, David begins with, you know me. And he ends with, so God, know me. He, he begins by saying, you already know. And he ends by saying, search me, search me. See me, know me, and, and lead me in your way. And I think so much of the invitation for us in this series is, first of all, to accept and acknowledge God knows you. He knows you. And from that place, to live a life of openness. And even what we'll see in the Psalms, brutal honesty with God in our prayers and our worship and in our just lives, our, our living, breathing, working lives. The invitation is honesty. Is this good? Are you with me? Yeah? Anybody excited to read the Psalms? Come on. All right, so here's what we're going to do today. Um, we'll read a few more Psalms in our time together, but I, what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about what are the Psalms? What is this book in the Bible? Uh, we'll talk about some of the different types of Psalms so we can understand what we're looking at, and as you're reading the Psalms, you know how to approach each one. We'll talk about, in general, how to approach the Psalms, and we'll talk about what the Psalms do for us. Each week in this series, we'll have different people preaching, and, and we'll go deep into a particular psalm and really mine out what, what God has to say to us through that passage. Today's going to be a little more of an overview. This is an introduction for the whole series. I want to give us a, a picture of, of what we're going after here today and kind of set our intention. And I think God has something he wants to say to us today about this invitation to, to, to being fully known, intimately known by God. So what are the psalms? Um, the, the collection of the Psalms is known as the Psalter, P-S-A-L-T-E-R, the Psalter. This is the, the canon or the book of the Psalms. Um, th this book is broken up into five different books, and you'll see this as you read through the Psalms. Uh, there's 150 Psalms, but they're broken up into book one, book two, book three, and so on. Um, they were organized originally in different ways. It's hard to know exactly how, how at first they were organized, but at some point they were organized by author, some David Psalms are together. Sons of Korah Psalms uh, are together. Uh, Moses Psalms. At another point, they were probably organized by function. All of the Psalms of Ascent or Songs of Ascent are together. That's uh, Psalms 120 through 134. This particular collection within the book of Psalms is for the traveling pilgrim on their way to the temple to make their offering. And so the, the, this, these, these uh, Psalms were meant to be sung by like a group of travelers on their way to make their offering in Jerusalem. And it was an encouragement as they ascended to the temple. Pretty cool, huh? Um, they were gathered, this book of Psalms, these Psalms were gathered over a period of hundreds of years, maybe thousands of years, depending on when the earliest and latest they were written. There's a lot of dispute over this. Um, we, we, we would kind of believe by reading the Psalms that most of them were written in David's time, by David and by those who came after him, there's some, some people would argue, oh, maybe these were actually written sort of in the form of David to honor David, but not specifically by David, or some David wrote, some others wrote. Uh, there's some that would argue that they were most likely all written during the time of the exile. There's no agreement here. Just know that there's a lot of thought around this thing, but they were, they were written over hundreds of years, brought together, 
in that this Psalter, the book of the Psalms, has, um, has created the foundation and the backdrop of a worshiping people for thousands of years. Ancient Israel, this was the ancient Israel hymn book. These are songs, by the way. We tend to just read the Bible at like the written word, which it is. The Psalms were all originally sung. They were written to music. There's even instruction in the like, strike the, strike the harp, hit the cymbal, ring the whatever. And so there's that stuff. But then even in the, the, the little subheadings under some of these numbers, Psalm 139, for the director of music of David, a psalm. Others will say, hey, hey, sing this one to the tune of this song. And so there's this, there's something musical and melodic to these Psalms, they were the hymn book of ancient Israel. They were the hymn book of the, of the early church. They were the, they've been the, the hymn book of the people of God for thousands of years. They were the musical and spiritual soundtrack to Jesus' life. Think about this. First century Jewish community. Jesus' life in like his childhood would have been he would have had memories attached to the melodies associated with certain psalms. Think about it. The flute starts playing that jam, and you're like, that's Psalm 23, y'all. This is my song. This is my psalm. Hold on. Stop talking. This is my psalm. <laughs> Think about this. Is they're, they're musical. They're experiential. And um, there's something that I think we need to maybe even shift how we embrace the, the psalms and maybe even it might be helpful to think about like what are some of the melodies or the tunes or the songs that you have memories associated with from your life from your childhood and, and even think about like what if you felt like that about the psalms so maybe here's some examples for you like what if whatever you feel when this song gets started some of you some of you are going there it's a long intro okay Maybe this one, maybe this is more like your jam right here. Come on, if you're feeling it, let us know you're feeling it. Okay, wait. We'll... Someone's got a memory of this song. We gotta get through that whole spoken word part. You'll be my forever, baby. You just. How about this? How about this? You guys know this one. You can't not do this when you hear this song. This is the song that Gregory sings in his head every day when he's trying to get everybody out of this building. Closing time. All right, all right. Let's take it back. Come on. You go somewhere. I know we got some boomers in the house. Yes. Doesn't matter how old you are, you feel it. You know this one. Iconic. Iconic. I'm not done. Right, we're going to keep going. All right, we'll keep it. We're going to stay back in the day for just a minute. We're going to make a memory here together. Let's just listen to this whole song. Can we do that? We'll all sing it out together. Blue jeans. 
I told him, let's test the limits of this thing. Push it. I also said, I got to make sure if, if the pause button doesn't work on this thing at some point, someone take over for me. We need the escape hatch. Andre, love it. Listen to that later on on your own. You're on your own with that. All right. We could just do this all day. Some of y'all are like, oh, finally. Finally enjoy myself in church. Okay. This is, this is better than anything else you could say today, Rob. Let's just keep the playlist going. Okay, so... The psalms were sung, they were musical, they were, there was something visceral about them, they, there was something that you felt when, when it was time to sing the psalms, because your whole life, your memories, your childhood, your adulthood, your life with God, but your life in general was, was lived to them. It's important for us to remember, ancient Israel was, they were, there was a religion that defined this nation, but it was also its own culture and its own nation state. And so there's a whole... It's like a capsule. Everything was, it was integrated and interwoven. And so, so much of who they were and their, their, their identity and experience of life was wrapped up in how they worshipped. It wasn't just um, a category or a compartment of their lives. And the Psalms speak to that. The Psalms were sung. All right, let's talk about some of the types of Psalms. I've got your attention now, don't I? You're with me. If you want to just hum something while I, while I talk, that's fine. You're feeling it. Types of psalms. There's um, a lot of scholars have done the work to, to observe, hey, these, it seems like there's some different categories in the Psalter, different psalms that fall into different categories. Now, this is all stuff that we've observed, constructs we've kind of put over the original writing. So what that means is that no psalm author was sitting there going, oh, I think I'll write a psalm in this category today. So they don't all fit neatly into these different um, types or categories, but, but these are helpful for knowing when you're reading, oh, I'm reading one of these right now. And this is how, uh, this is how the author was, the state they were in, and here's how I can approach it and understand what's going on here. So some of the types of the Psalms, um, one, uh, one way to think about it, one framework would be that there's, there are hymns or praise Psalms. So some of this just straight up, this is a psalm of praise. A great example of this would be uh, Psalm 145. I'll read part of this to you. You can turn there if you want. I will exalt you, my God and King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful Works they tell the of the sorry they tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. Gosh, I mean, think about this. Baby Ayla 
healed, new diagnosis. I will meditate on your wonderful works. I will tell of your deeds. This is just the people of God saying, I'm going to declare what you've done. You're great and you've done great things. I love uh, a few verses down. Verse nine, or verse 8, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Oh, let that shape your theology for a minute. God has compassion on all he has made. I, I love um, verse 16, you open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. Verse 21, my mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. There's, there's songs of him, hymns or praise songs. In fact, the, uh, the word psalm or psalter, the Hebrew word that was originally used for that, meant praises. So like these are the praises. The book of Psalms was the book of praises to the ancient Hebrew. And... Um, it gets very praisey towards the end of the Psalms. These last, the end of the book of Psalms, there's a lot of praise Psalms. Psalm 150, the last one is, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his acts of power, praise him for his surpassing greatness. Going down the last verse, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. It's the last words of the Psalms. There are enthronement psalms. This is another category. These are just extolling God's kingship. You are the king. You are on the throne, God. And, and it's, these are a, kind of a type of praise song, specifically talking about God as king. There are songs of thanksgiving. These are obvious. You did this. You've done it. You rescued me. You saved me. You picked me up out of the miry pit. Psalm 40. There are songs of lament or prayer. This is, this is where it gets interesting for us, because we don't necessarily have, in the West, much of the church in the West is lacking a, a practice, or has been for a while, lacking a practice, a space for lament, for complaint, for saying, God, things are not as they should be. In my life, in our community, in this world, things aren't as they should be. They aren't the way maybe you said they would be. Psalm 1 says, hey, if you live like this, this is what will happen. And it's almost as if so many of the lament psalms are saying, hey, I've lived by Psalm 1, and you're not keeping up your end of the bargain. And it's, it's a boldness to say to God, I, I am not okay with how things are going. Are you? Will you act on my behalf? on our behalf, on the behalf of the people in need who look to you or anyone in the world. They're songs of prayer. And notice that the, the songs of prayer, that lament and prayer are, are brought together because lament isn't just a complaint. Lament isn't just, this sucks, God. <laughs> That's part of it. But it's, God, will you act? I'm naming the thing, will you act? On it, will you? Will I'm looking to you to do something about it. Um, there are a few different types of lament prayer or lament psalms. Psalm 137 is a great example of communal lament. This is the nation of Israel being dragged away into exile and from from Jerusalem to Babylon. And the the author says, "By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept." When we remembered Zion, our home, 
There on the poplars, we hung our harps. This is a musical people who would sing songs of praise to God. It was part of their shared culture together, and they said, we don't have anything else to sing. We hung our harps. We hung up the songs as we were dragged away into captivity. For there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of those songs of Zion. Their captors wanted to be entertained by their music. And they said, how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I don't remember you, if I don't consider Jerusalem my highest joy, remember, Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. Daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction. Happy is the one who repays you according to what you've done to us. Get this. This is... This next verse is going to be trigger warning for you, but we need to understand this if we're going to understand the Psalms. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks, speaking to their captors. This is a a communal lament where the people of God are saying, we're going to be so raw and honest about our emotions, about how we feel about what has happened, that this will even find its way into our worship and into our collective hymn book. Does that mean that it's right to think that way or to want that kind of a thing? No. But here's the tension we find in the Psalms, and it's a tension that healthy and mature faith can hold. It's the tension between truth and honesty. Can I believe, can I hold to the truth that God is good, that God is loving, that God is present, that God is patient, and be honest about the fact that it feels like he's abandoned me, and he's left me, and he doesn't care about me, and he's nowhere near me, and I don't even know if he's good anymore. I don't even know if he exists. Can I be honest with him about how I'm experiencing my life and not be afraid that that somehow threatens my understanding of truth. I think so often we, we don't go there because we're afraid, do we become faithless? Are we, are, am, am I being irreverent? Am I losing my faith if I start to be honest about what I'm experiencing? We'll talk about the dashing on the rocks stuff in a few minutes. This is impo- we, gotta, we gotta get a, our, our heads around that. But the First of all, we need to understand there's stuff in the Psalms that's not true. But it's honest. And I think that's the invitation for us is to go, okay, first of all, I can read stuff in the Bible that's not going to throw my whole understanding of God because I read a weird verse. There's a lot of weird stuff in there, especially in the Old Testament, not just the Psalms, but throughout the whole Old Testament. How do I hold it? We're going to talk in just a little bit about how to approach the Psalms based on what they are. But this tension of truth and honesty, this is important for us as we understand lament. I love this quote about lament. This is just taken from a textbook from, that I read in seminary. Um, Introduction to the Old Testament by Bill Arnold when he talks about the Psalms. He says, The expression of complaint in a lament song is never the main point of the lament. The complaint serves to buttress the call for God to intervene, whether it precedes the request in the structure or follows it. After the petition and complaint, the lament psalm generally moves to an affirmation of trust in God. So he's saying, they're not just to say, God, this is all wrong. It's all broken. The the complaint normally is either the response to or the setup of the declaration of trust in God. I trust you. I know that you're going to do, you're going to make it right. And so I'm turning to you with my pain rather than running away from you with my pain. And in this sense, lament becomes 
one of the most faithful expressions of prayer and worship because we're saying, I, I trust God enough to be honest. I'm not dishonoring God with my honesty. I'm, I'm honoring him. I would dishonor him if I withdrew. And so many of us, we withdraw from God because we don't, we don't we feel unseen by him because of the circumstances in our life and in our world when the invitation is to take it to him. This is, this is faith. This is honest prayer. This is honest worship. So there's communal. Is this good? Yeah? So there's communal lament. Psalm 137 is a great example. There's individual lament. Psalm 6 is a great example of that. Taylor was quoting it today during worship. Psalm 88, many call it the saddest psalm. It's just depressing. If you want to get real depressed, just read Psalm 88. It starts sad in sad. There's no real resolution there. Most of them have some kind of journey you go on. These don't. This one doesn't. It's just kind of a, a bummer psalm. But sometimes, you know what? You're bummed. And I think sometimes we, we need that example. Like, it's so, like, if that's where you're at, okay, it's okay to be there. And somehow that gets included in the life and the community of faith. Like, you could be in the lowest point of your whole life because of things happening in your life, because of decisions you've made, because of things that were out of your control. Your experience of that has a seat at this table, the table of those who followed and worshiped God for millennia. That's what the Psalms tell us. Isn't that good news? And it doesn't end there because there's still, even Psalm 88, I'll read part of this to you guys. Such a bummer. Hold on, let me go there. Psalm 88, Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. He goes on, I'm overwhelmed with troubles. Uh, I'm like someone about to die. <laughs> I'm in the lowest, you've put me in the lowest pit. He's even like blaming God for what's happening in his life. Um, you've taken my closest friends. So there's this expression of loneliness feeling sapped, feeling like you're at the end of yourself physically, mentally, emotionally. I cry to you for help. Um, your wrath has swept over me, verse 16. Verse 18, you've taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. This is how the psalm ends. Such a bummer, right? But it begins by saying, you're the God who saves me. Even in this place, the author is saying, I, I'm saying all of this within the context of, I still believe that you're, the, you're God and you're the one who acts on our behalf. And so I'm bringing it to you. Are you being honest with God? Can you be honest with God in your real experience of your real life? We'll come back to some of this, some other types of psalms. There are royal psalms that we find throughout the, the Psalter. These connect the, with the earthly king, often David. Psalm 2 is an example of that. Um, there are wisdom and instruction psalms. These read more like Proverbs, like Psalm 1 is one of those. Hey, blessed is the one who does this, this will happen. Great wisdom, great practical stuff, but it's almost as if many of the lament psalms are saying, hey, we read Psalm 1, we lived like Psalm 1, and you haven't kept up your end of the deal, and so what gives? And so there's this, um, this tension to be held throughout these different categories. Uh, John Goldengay is an Old Testament scholar. He's a professor at Fuller. I actually had him for a couple of classes in seminary, and uh, I love his categories that he gives. He, he just says, here's four categories for the psalms. First category is this, you are great. <laughs> That's one way to think of it. You're great. These are the Psalms that talk about how great God is. Hey, God, you're great. Another category that Golden Gay says is help with an exclamation point. There's a category, help. These are the prayer and lament Psalms. 
Uh, another category is, I trust you. God, I trust you. I'm in need, and I'm, but, but you, uh, I trust that you're a good God who does what you say you'll do. And then there's the last category he gives are thank you. Thank you, Psalms. And so often we see a psalm kind of have interwoven within it these different expressions. Many start with, you're great. They move to a, an expression of need, help me in this, and end with, God, I trust you. I trust that you're going to come through. So they don't, they don't fit into, the psalms weren't written to fit into these categories, but these are helpful observations for us. Does that make sense? Yeah? So when you're reading them, you know what to, what to do with what you're reading. Let's, um, well, let's do this. How do you approach the psalms? Read until you find yourself. It's a good, I think this is a good practice. Open the Psalms and just start reading until you read something that gives voice to where you're at in your life right now. You'll find yourself. You'll find your voice. You'll find your experience on one of these pages and one of these verses. That's it. It might just be one verse within a whole bunch of stuff that's hard to understand, but that's it. That, that gives voice to where I'm at. And then pray into that. Bring that to God and let that, let that lead you in worship and lead you in prayer as you find where you're at. Read the Psalms until you find somebody else. You may not be displaced and without a home, but someone in our world is. And we can read the Psalms to grow and expand our empathy for the human experience that's so much bigger and broader than many of us have experienced in our life. The Psalms can do that for us. Um, read to expand your expression of life with God the high highs and the low lows. I think for so many of us, it's not just that we don't know how to lament. We don't know how to celebrate. We don't know how to go up or down. We're just numb. We're like even keel in our own lives. And we hear a testimony about an infant being healed or having her diagnosis changed and really changing the whole course of her whole life. God, can we just erupt with joy for that internally and externally when we hear this stuff? When we, we look at ancient Israel, we look at the Psalms, and there's, there's eruptions of praise and of joy. Can I, can I ride the summit of life as I follow God? Do I, will I give myself permission to feel that kind of joy? Or am I protecting myself subconsciously from, from disappointment by never really being high? I love, the, there's this interview between Bono of U2 and Eugene Peterson about the Psalms. I know, put those guys in a room, great. Um, Eugene Peterson translated the message, uh, huge Bible scholar for, and pastor for decades. He's, he's passed away um, in, the, in recent years. But this interview from a few years ago with him and Bono, and, uh, and Bono says, uh, I, I watched this video, you can just Google Bono, Eugene Peterson, Psalms. And uh, I watched this video, and I typed up word for word something Bono said, I thought it was so cool. He said he loves that the Psalms are brutally honest about the explosive joy and the deep sorrow or confusion that so many people experience. And then he went on to say, talking about growing up in church, man, why isn't church music more like that? <laughs> They're brutally honest about the explosive joy and the brutal and the, the deep sorrow or confusion to expand our expression, to allow ourselves to to give ourselves to the best moments of our lives. To give yourself to the wedding day, the birth of the child, the friend who got the breakthrough, the good news, 
to give ourselves fully to that and to give ourselves fully to the brokenness and the pain. The lament stuff became really meaningful for me years ago when my wife and I were in the middle of seven years of infertility. And I, it, it, understanding that the expression of lament and frustration with God, it freed me to stop just trying to be polite with God and to actually say, I expected something different from you, the one holding my life. Don't you see us over here? We're giving you everything. I was able to, yeah, it sounded a little entitled. All that. I look back on it and I'm like, oh, that's kind of, I'm not super proud of how I, but that doesn't matter. Can you say it? Can you, can you be honest about what you're thinking and what you're feeling? And so I, I was able to exist in a season where I could just be honest with God and express the disappointment, the pain, um, and to find that even that could be an expression of faithfulness to God. Where are you today? I think you'll find it in the Psalms. I think you'll find an example. and You'll find a voice that you can follow as you seek to live honestly with God. One more way, how, how to approach the Psalms. Read them through the lens of Jesus. In that same interview with Eugene Peterson, they're asked, um, what do you do with the violence of the Psalms? And it's really, what do you do with the violence of the Old Testament, but specifically with the Psalms? I mean, we just read this thing, dash the infants against the rocks. I mean, it's like, oh, how do we even, why is that even in there? Of Peterson's response, he says, he says, well, we need to understand God's response to our violence is the cross of Jesus. God's response to our violence, to human violence, is the cross of Jesus. Meaning, we pray, humans pray, God slay my enemies. And God's response to that isn't to rebuke or deny or turn away from the person praying that prayer. His response to that request is to let himself be slain. This is the cross of Jesus. And so God's, God actually, his intention through the cross and what we'll see in one day in history is God puts an end to human violence by suffering violence, by entering into our violence, and by laying his life down at the hands of angry men. This is the gospel, and this is where we are today in the wake of Jesus' death and resurrection. And so we go back and we read all the hard stuff, all the weird stuff, all the um, conflicting stuff we see in the scriptures, especially in the Psalms, through the lens of Jesus. Don't read Jesus through the lens of the Psalms. Don't go, oh, maybe I should think differently about this Jesus character because of what this guy said in a psalm one time. No, we take, we, the, the, we, we like to, I think sometimes we can assume that the Bible is like flat, the scriptures are flat. No, something has to take priority that we interpret the rest of it through. Jesus takes priority. Jesus wins in this conversation, right? Okay, it's good news. And so we read everything through the lens of Jesus because Jesus is the ultimate revelation of who God is and especially Jesus on the cross and so we look at all of it through him and we say okay I see where that isn't the right way to think about your enemies because <laughs> Jesus taught a better way but I can hold that tension as I as I approach it all through the lens of Jesus and the cross does that make sense you with me there yeah good 
Um, I'm going to invite the band to come on back up. And here's what I want to do. I just want you to take a minute and take, take some stock of where you're at in your life right now. Well, like, honestly, where are you? What are you? What's going on? Are you rejoicing? Are you excited? Are you, um, are, is there breakthrough happening in your, in your life right now? Like, what are the circumstances that you're in right now? How are you feeling? How are you, how, how are you, really the question is, how are you experiencing your life? If you can get in touch with that, this, we need to be honest with God, but we can't even do that until we've been honest with ourselves, right? Are you in touch with that? Are, are, you, are you grieving right now? Are you struggling right now? Are you, do you feel supported by the people around you? Do you feel alone? Are you in touch with God's presence? Do you feel his absence or perceived absence? Get in touch. Let's take a minute and just, just get in touch with that. And the invitation for us at the beginning of this series is to bring our real life, highs, lows, everything in between, to God in this moment, in, in, in this space, to find it, bring it, find it in the Psalms. And even right now, we're going to stand up. You can stand up with me. And God, our, our prayer is that actually we would, we would return right now to this, um, the revelation from Psalm 139. And it's this, is that we are fully known by you. So wherever we're at, whatever we're thinking, whatever we're feeling, however we're experiencing our life, you know already. And so right now in this moment, we take what's true, what's honest and true inside of us, and we bring it to the one who is truth and who already knows. And we're going to allow ourselves to be known. We're going to volunteer to be known by God in this moment, in this space. So God, would you... We just bring our, ourselves to you. And uh, our prayer, it's not that you would just change everything in this moment. We're actually beginning a process, beginning a journey with you. So today, we just, we just want to set our intention. Lord, help us to be honest with you, with ourselves. Help our faith to expand, help our emotional capacity to expand, help us to see you in every part of our lives, help us to find that wherever we're at, there's a, a, a seat at your table waiting for us to take. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.